This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For the News and Observer, I'm Avi Bajpai, state politics reporter and your host for this latest episode of Under the Dome for the week of January 29th, 2024, filling in for Don Vaughn. Today I'm here with my politics team colleagues, Corey Dean and Kyle Ingram. There's a lot to get to, and we're going to start with uh, UNC Chapel Hill, where an interim chancellor has started on the job. Um, Corey, you sat down with him uh, and have been covering his first few weeks on the job. Tell us about how it's how it's been going. Yeah, so um, Kevin Guskowitz left the university a few weeks ago now. Um, He will be the next president of Michigan State. All of that kind of transpired late last year between November, December. Um, And Lee Roberts has started as interim chancellor. He um, spent most of his career in the private finance sector, um, but was a state budget director under Governor Pat McCrory. Um, he also then served on the board of governors. Um, so yeah, he started the job, um, January 12th and, um, it sounds like he's kind of made the rounds of campus, meeting with faculty, students, staff, others. And, um, he spoke to reporters, um, at a, at a board of trustees meeting, his first board of trustees meeting a couple weeks ago and said that he's been having a lot of fun. He noted that UNC basketball, um, you know, has won all of their games since he's been Chancellor. Um, He is actually a a graduate of Duke, though, so um, I don't know uh, how much maybe he enjoys cheering on the heels, but it sounds like he does. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, a time of transition, I think, at UNC, but it sounds like it it is going well for the most part, I think. So you mentioned the Board of Governors. Uh, There was a meeting this this past week, and there were some pretty big, uh, big ticket items on the agenda, one of which was uh, athletic conference realignment policy for the UNC system as a whole. So talk talk to us about what went, what went on with that. Yeah, so um, folks who, who follow UNC athletics, other, you know, NC State athletics, or really just college sports as a whole know that conference realignment is a really big topic right now with lots of schools shuffling around, whether it's, you know, places like the you know ACC Florida State is trying to get out of the ACC right now there's you know lots of conversations about lots of athletic conferences and um the UNC system um this week in a committee um passed a policy that essentially gives the UNC system president Peter Hans and the board of governors um power over that process should one of the 16 universities in the system want to move athletic conferences um the topic first came up in October and then this policy that passed um, this past week actually kind of amped up the power that the board will have. Um, So essentially how that policy will work is that if a university in the UNC system wants to move athletic conferences, um, chancellors of those universities will be required to give Peter Hans notice um, and a financial plan with lots of different information about, you know, costs that will, they will incur with that move and lots of other things. Um, 
Peter Hans will have the power to approve that or not. Um, and if he does approve it, um, he'll then present it to the board, which can choose to vote on it. They don't have to, um, but they can choose to take an up or down vote. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, I think a lot of people, when they think about conference realignment right now, they're thinking about the ACC, potentially thinking about UNC, NC State, what those dynamics are. So um, it seems like the board was trying to get in, in front of moves, although, um, you know, I talked to um, Peter Hans after the Board of Governors meeting, and he was saying, obviously, the, the discussion is really around the ACC, but other schools in the system have moved conferences. I think he said one has moved multiple times in the past few years. So, um, you know, he and the board really talked about the financial implications that, that those moves can have and, and wanting to have more oversight over it. Right. Yeah. Um, so there was another uh, pretty big item on, on the agenda this, this week that was discussed. Um, and this was a proposal that is, is somewhat similar to uh, some state level legislation that was discussed in the General Assembly, the REACH Act, um, which talked about certain historical and civic texts that should be uh, perhaps mandated to be taught and discussed in college. What what was the Board of Governors talking about with this? Yeah, so it, it seems like the Board of Governors is moving to implement their own version of the REACH Act. Obviously, they're not calling it that, but um, the REACH Act, which was House Bill 96, um, would have required um, UNC system schools, and I think also the, the community colleges in the state as well, to be required, it, it would have required students to take a, a class on American history, American government, democracy, and they would have been required to read several different doc historical documents, um, and then actually take an exam that was worth like 20% of their grade on those documents. And um, that bill, I believe it passed the House. I don't think it, it made it through the Senate. Um, and, you know, now after it, it kind of failed to meet, to reach the finish line in the legislature, it seems like the UNC system is taking this up themselves. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different. There wouldn't necessarily be a course requirement, but there are these learning outcomes that include the same documents. And those are things like the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, Federalist Papers. Emancipation uh, Proclamation, is that one of those? Yes, yeah. Um, and then also Gettysburg Address, Letter from Birmingham Jail by Martin Luther King. Um, so it would require students to read those documents, engage with the documents, but it, it is not a new class. It's just, you know, professors can implement it into existing classes. And it's just kind of throughout a student's time at the at a UNC system school, they would be required to read those. Um, and and I guess, show, show proficiency right. on them somehow. Right. Yeah. So I remember some of the conversation at the time when they were looking at doing that as a house bill was like, isn't this already required in, in high, most high schools in North Carolina? So yeah, that's, that's something that came to mind for me. I know that when I was in high school, I, I, you know, learned about read most of those documents and, you know, I'm familiar with them. Um, Peter Hans talked about at the board of governors meeting that, you know, Technically, that is the case. I think technically North Carolina high school students are supposed to learn these things. But he talked about, you know, maybe an under-resourced school, the education or the, you know, engagement with the documents wasn't quite as rigorous as maybe it should have been. So um, they want to introduce this at, at the college level. I would say um, 
The reject was also met with some pushback um, from faculty, um, you know, almost 700 faculty at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, they wrote a letter about several different pieces of legislation and policy, but one of them was the reject, just saying that, you know, they it, it kind of goes against academic freedom to prescribe um, what faculty should teach, how they should teach it. Um, Peter Hans addressed that as well. You know, he said that he knows it'll be met with some criticism, but um, he seemed to welcome that. Um, and it, it seems to be a priority of his and the boards going forward. So they haven't actually introduced the policy. I think that'll come in, in one of the next few meetings. But um, yeah, it, it should be interesting to see how faculty um, react to that. So lots of uh, interesting news out of the Board of Governors uh, meeting, which um, I, I don't think is, uh, is an aberration. It's always interesting covering those meetings. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> uh, I think interesting is a good word. Sometimes this agenda there's, was this agenda was pretty packed. They aren't always news, like that. There's there there's is news. typically news. Yeah. Um, all right. With that said, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm state politics reporter Avi Bachbai here with my colleagues Kyle Ingram and Corey Dean. Before the break, we were talking about uh, some news out of UNC this past week. We're now going to turn to some news on a major elections bill that was passed late last year. But first, uh, let's do a quick reminder. Uh, here at the NNO, we're preparing voter guides for a whole host of important races on the ballot that uh, will be on, on the ballot in the upcoming primary election. Uh, so a quick reminder, if you have received a candidate questionnaire from our team, please fill those out. We're um, tracking tracking candidates down, trying to get those back. Um, we want to make sure that our readers are informed about uh, the people, candidates who are running to, for their vote, basically, on going to be on the ballot. Um, so please fill those out. Um, so with that, uh, let's turn to Senate Bill 747, some, some big news uh, on that uh, elections bill. Kyle... You've been following this bill uh, and some other ones for quite some time now. Tell us about what, what came up this past week. That's right, Avi. So this bill is an elections omnibus bill. It makes a ton of changes to how elections are conducted in North Carolina. And pretty soon after it was passed uh, late last year, there were several legal challenges aimed against it that are just now sort of seeing some court action. Right. So what we saw uh, this past week was that a portion of 747 dealing with changes to same day registration for voters was blocked by a federal judge. So what that part of the law did was said that voters who use same day registration, so they register to vote and vote on the same day, are only going to get one notice sent to their listed address. And if that notice comes back to the County Board of Elections as undeliverable, then that voter's registration will be canceled and their ballot will be canceled as well. So. That part was sued because people said, well, traditionally, voters have gotten two notices. And the litigants in this case showed that there are several cases where these notices were returned undeliverable through no fault of the voter. It was a, a fault of the Postal Service, actually. Right. So the judge agreed that this there, there needs to be some sort of notice and hearing procedure so that someone can know that their vote is going to be canceled and they can try and contest that right. with their county board. So for now, that part of the law is thrown out. The judge directed the State Board of Elections to try and create some sort of notice and hearing procedure, but we haven't heard any details on that yet. So that was Senate Bill 747. Of course, there was also Senate Bill 749, mm -hmm. another uh, really important bill. Uh, tell us, tell us about that one. 
Yeah, so 749 also passed around the same time. What this does is completely restructures the state board of elections and all county board of elections. So there's 100 counties in North Carolina, 100 county boards of elections. All of those would have their appointment structure changed. Currently, the governor appoints a majority of the board, so it's usually three Democrats, two Republicans on the state and local level. Uh, or Yes, yes, I believe that's right. But um, what this legislation would do is take away all appointment power from the governor that goes to legislative leaders instead on both sides of the aisle right so there would be an even number of republicans and democrats on the boards um, and that's a crucial change right now boards have an odd number of mm -hmm. members this would take it to an even number yes which if it's an even split that was one of the big sort of controversies over this bill exactly a lot of democrats brought up what happens in a tie and we didn't really hear a ton of answers on that uh, it seems like the general consensus is most tie decisions would need to go to a court, right. but it's not spelled out specifically in the legislation. So that um, change was supposed to go into effect, I believe, on January 1st, but uh, a judge also has blocked that. So we're likely, um, Republican leaders have told us that they're going to try and appeal that injunction that was handed down, I believe, in November, but we haven't seen that appeal yet. So I'm feeling like we're probably not going to see any changes to state and local boards of elections before the primary election, but it's definitely a possibility that those changes could go into effect for the general so in November. For the general. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Lots of important uh, news to track. Keep, keep sort of uh, covering and taking a look at this year. Uh, it's an important election year and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great that there's uh, so much to, to keep track of. So we'll, we'll, continue to bring that to you. Um, so we're going to switch now. We're going to move on to Headliner, um, our picks of, uh, for Headliner of the Week. Uh, and we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to uh, all talk about the Oscar nominations <laughs> because uh, here at the NNO on the politics team, we consider ourselves film buffs, movie buffs. Um, some people do. <laughs> some people do. And uh, everyone was, was waiting to see, uh, you know, which movies would get nominated. Um, so we're going to start with Kyle, mm -hmm. who's going to share his thoughts on this year's yeah. nomination. Feels like a different sort of primary election, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, my headliner is actually a disappointing one. I was very disappointed to see that uh, Charles Melton of Riverdale fame was not nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his role in May-December. I thought he was absolutely excellent, uh, heartbreaking role, very well done, and he was snubbed. All right, so there you have it. That's uh, th those are Kyle's thoughts on the nominations. Corey, what about you? Um, I have some more snubs to talk about. Um, I, th I was very disappointed to see that Margot Robbie was not nominated for Best Actress for Barbie, and Greta Gerwig, who directed Barbie, was not nominated for Best Director. Um, I don't really get how you don't nominate the Barbie of the Barbie movie. Um, I thought, you know, she really brought that role to life. I was very sad to see her not nominated, and I'm a big Greta Gerwig fan. I don't actually know that many directors, but she is my favorite. <laughs> um, and, you know, loved Lady Bird, loved Little Women, and I just think, you know, that was... That was a big snub not to nominate her, so... Props sure. to America Ferreira, though, for right. Best Supporting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Ryan Gosling for mm -hmm. Ken. So. Yeah, certainly controversial because I think um, it did get eight nominations total. Yeah. So it and it was does... nominated for Best Picture. So how yeah. do you nominate Best Picture but not, yeah. but not Best Director, but, you know? But not recognizing the people who really yeah. made it happen. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, I hate to, to um, <laughs> change over from the downer tone of this whole discussion, <laughs> but um, my favorite movie of this past year was Oppenheimer. 
Um, I saw it an ungodly number of times. How um, many times? Up? I, I shouldn't say. I won't <laughs> say that. Um, but I was thrilled to see that it it was leading the pack with thirteen nominations. Um, I think it's I think it's probably one of Christopher Nolan's best movies, and um, I'm really hoping that it it sweeps. So we'll see what happens. Um, Thank you for for listening to this uh, latest episode of Under the Dome. For the News and Observer, I'm Avi Bachpai, here with my colleagues, Kyle Ingram and Corey Dean. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.